you're standing, we're going to go to the word of the Lord and I want to take you to the book of 2 Peter chapter 1 and we're going to read uh, beginning with verse number 12 and I'm going to read down through verse number uh, 21, First, or 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 12. We are continuing our series tonight called Elements, and uh, tonight is one of the most important of all the lessons, and I am thrilled that we can share the word together. Let's read together. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things. I'm reading from the New Living Translation even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. And it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life, so I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I am gone. Three times in three verses, he stresses the essential nature of reminding people of what they already know. So when you hear the same message, and you you haven't heard me preach the same message, but it probably would do us good to hear some of them over again. But that reminder and that remembrance is for our good. For we were not making up clever stories when you told, when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when we received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my beloved Son, who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. What a great, powerful passage of Scripture. The prophecies came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. You may be seated. We, we continue tonight our journey uh, in this discipleship series Uh, called elements, which are the basic fundamentals. We're exploring the building blocks of our spiritual life. They are the foundations of our faith and they are the 
essential basics of our stability and our survival, the fundamentals, the rudiments, the first principles of our faith. They are the components of our Christian life. And tonight we're going to look at another one of those components of our spiritual life and that is none other than the Word of God. And I will tell you when I started looking at this particular lesson, I felt like I was going to try to dip up the ocean with a thimble because it is virtually impossible in one setting to really do justice to giving us a fresh understanding of how important the Word of God is and how powerful that Word is to our life. It is referred to as the law, as truth, as scripture, as the book, the word of life, testimony, statute, commandment, God's plan, God's completed revelation, God's message or the gospel. However you speak of it, what its purpose in our life is for, is of utmost importance. The Bible is God's letter to humanity and it is supernatural in its origin and I don't have time to go into the details of how we came about our scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament, but it is worthy of your exploration and I, I I made up my mind I'd actually called my brother and was wondering if he was going to be here tonight because I wanted him to take a moment and talk to you about how we even came to have the word of God how uh, all of it came about and uh, basically you and I understand that it's a collection of 66 books written by 40 divinely inspired writers over a 1,600-year period of time. And the evidence that it presents to us is overwhelming. I read today of how many different transcripts and documents that verify the Old Testament and the New Testament, that it is... Uh, it, it is valid and it is authentic and it is trustworthy. And there is among all of these writers over these many years a uniformity and an agreement. That alone is a powerful evidence of its validity that over a 1600 year period of time that 40 different writers could all write and all of their writings would correlate. They would overlap. They would flow together. There, there's not one book that contradicts another. They flow together in agreement. It has to be of divine origin in that itself. Or you could, we, I mean, we've got what? 70 people, 50, 60 people here tonight and in this class. And I promise you that if I were to give you something to write and give you a topic and you all were writing about the same topic, I dare say that 
very few of us would agree on every detail or every point. But because it was God breathed, they wrote and their writings were in agreement and they flowed together. It's Validity and reliability is unsurpassed. It is backed up by many things. One is archaeological findings. The Dead Sea Scrolls in themselves have proven over and over the validity of Old Testament writings. And most importantly to me is the prophetic fulfillment of promises that are made in the Word of God. The Bible's divine authorship is validated by the fulfillment of its prophecies. And there are over 668 prophecies in the Bible and they have been fulfilled and none have proven false. Now tell me the likelihood of that. I read somewhere today that Shakespeare's writings, which our world seems to put so much faith in, that they have discovered that many of his writings have voids in them, and men of letter have had to fill in the gaps to make it make sense. And others that uh, other parts of history that are counted on Josephus and Eusebius and many of the other Pliny and many of the other writers of ancient history there's only a few of their manuscripts but there's many errors in some of those manuscripts and yet in this word that we hold dear to our heart there are 668 prophecies that have been fulfilled and none have been proven false. And all but three books of the Old Testament are quoted in the New Testament. That in itself is amazing. Listen to what Peter and Paul declared concerning the word. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And all scripture, everybody say all scripture. New and old. All scripture is given by inspiration. God breathed. It's the same word that's used in Genesis when it said that God breathed into man the breath of life and he became a living soul. God breathed into these men. Holy men. Not just any kind of person but Holy men of God were moved upon by, again, the same word that's used in Genesis of him moving on the face of the deep. God breathed. All scripture is breathed by God and it is profitable. Everybody say it's profitable. 
for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. For what purpose? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Listen to how Peter said it. 2 Peter chapter 1, 19 through 21. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy, no prophecy, no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. In other words, no scripture is any one man's idea. That in itself is another miracle. Because we have a way of injecting ourselves into so many things. Say it's not so. Amen. We have a way of putting our little two cents worth in. But he said no scripture has that in it. No scripture has their own particular view, their own particular ideology, their own thoughts. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Here is what we must understand about the word, that it is God breathed, that God spoke to holy men and none of it is one man's idea. Those things within itself should always be in our mind when we're reading his word, that this came from God and if it came from God, it must be from man. God spoke through holy men and that word has been preserved for centuries for this present moment in which we live and it can be trusted. Aren't you thankful that you have the word of God tonight? Because its message is timeless. Its message is designed to give hope in the most troublesome times. God can be trusted. God is still calling men and women to live holy and separated lives, to live according to his commandments. Men who obey are blessed and men and women who obey are given direction in their life and their life is made better. Amen. Oh, how important the word of God is to our lives and for us to see that and embrace that every day. It should become more dear to us every day that we live. If 2020 didn't do anything for you other than make you understand how important the word of God is to your life, I believe that is one of the most valuable lessons that it spoke to me that I can never get away from his word and I must never allow it to become ordinary and common and just something like a newspaper or another news line 
but it's inspired to understand how important it is to my life and the power of the word. We're going to talk about that in a moment and to grow in the knowledge of it and to commit myself to studying it and to reading it and applying it to my life. When we apply the word of God to our life, something powerful happens to us. When you read it, that's not enough. If you can even memorize it, that's good, but that's not enough. You can quote it, but that's good and not enough. You may even have an intellectual understanding of it, but that is not enough. The word works best when you apply it to your daily living. When you take it and you assimilate it into your life or you ask the Lord, how can I live this word out in my life today? When we apply that word is when that word becomes powerful. Amen. Listen to what Psalm said. Psalms 119, 11 through 16. For the word to work, I have to apply it. He said, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all thy judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Verse 105 said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Somebody say thank you for the word. Amen. When you look in scripture, you find it compared to many things. Psalms 119 said it's like a lamp and a light. Jeremiah 5 and 14 defines it as a fire shut up in my bones. Amen. Anybody felt any of that fire before in your life? Jeremiah 23, 29 talks about the word as being a hammer that, that, that pulverizes at times, but in other times it is used to define and work into a usable instrument. Matthew 13 talks about the word as being seed, something powerful that has the ability to produce. Ephesians 6 and 17, Paul said that the word of God is like a sword. It is described in terms that are unearthly. Number one, it is called perfect. Psalms 19, 7 through 11. The word of the Lord is perfect. That means it's whole, it's entire it's without blemish, it's complete, it's sound, it's healthy. And when that word works in my life, then it revives me, it restores the whole person, it pulls my life together and makes it work properly. When that word is working in my life, it gives me new strength and it preserves my life from destruction. Everybody say it's perfect. It's perfect. 
The word of the Lord is perfect. He said the word, the commandments of the Lord are sure. That means they're trustworthy. They're reliable. They're faithful as a pillar. They are established. They are lasting. And when we apply that word that is trustworthy to our life, then it points me in the right direction. It imparts wisdom to the inexperienced. Amen. And it makes plain people wise. Amen. I found myself in the Bible, plain people. (laughs) And when this word becomes a part of my life and I don't just read it or I don't just quote it or memorize it or become intellectually aware of what it says, but I embrace it and I accept it and I obey it, then it's something sure. It is trustworthy. It's like a pillar that cannot be shaken. And it makes me a wise man. Amen. Praise God. He said, not only is the word sure, but he said the testimonies of the Lord are right. They're right. That means they're fair. They're straight, they're correct, they're upright, they're just, they're fitting. And that word that is fair, everybody say his word is fair. His word is fair, it's correct, it's just, it's fitting. It shows the way to joy. Makes me happy, amen. It makes people happy. When you get into the word of God, there is nothing that can bring greater joy to your life than what the word can bring. How many times in my own experience have I sat down in the morning and opened the word and started reading and somewhere along the way, maybe not the first verse, but somewhere down those verses, I finally get to that one that registers. And it's like a light comes on in my heart and my soul begins to smile when I realize that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And God has given me something to help get me through my troubles. Amen. He said that the testimonies, the commandments of the Lord, he names several different things. He likens the word to, but he said they're pure. Amen. Pure. That means they are empty of impurity. There's no vanity in this book. There's no word that is invalid. It is not unclean, it's plain, it's clear, it's sincere. Amen. One translator said, it's easy to the eyes and gives insight for living and light for my way. Praise God. That's why we need this word in our life. It's pure, it's right. It's sure. It's perfect. If there's anything you learn about the Word of God, learn what it is to your life. Psalms 111 said that the Word of God is trustworthy. Psalms 119 says that it's true. 
Isaiah 40 and 8 says that it is enduring. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord shall stand how long? Forever. Amen. Forever. That includes 2020 and 2021. Amen. It includes the present situation that we are living in right now. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever. Amen. That word is active, and I'm going to get in that in a moment, but let me talk to you about a few of the activities of the word. Psalms 107.20 says that he sent forth his word and healed them. So there's healing in the word. John 8, 32 said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So there is freedom in the word of God. Uh, Psalms 119, 130 says that it is illuminating. It is a light unto our path. It is a lamp to our feet. Romans 10 and 17 tells us that it is that word that produces freedom. Faith in our life. Second Timothy 3.15 says that it is what makes us wise. Titus 1 and 9 says that it's what convicts us and convinces us of what is true. Jeremiah 15.16 says that it rejoices the heart. James 1 and 18 said it regenerates the life. And John 20.31 said it bears witness. It is a truth that can be carried anywhere in life. And it will always work. Amen. Somebody say the word works. It works. It works. It heals. It makes free. It produces faith. Amen. It makes you wise. Amen. You know it's amazing how many times in life when people have asked hard questions and I didn't know what to say that I would start to open my mouth And a verse of scripture would come. And it was exactly what was needed. I didn't know how to say that. I didn't even know how to formulate my thoughts. But the Lord's word has already gone ahead of us. It knows everything we're going to encounter out there. God's already seen the future. He already knows what you and I are going to be facing tomorrow. And the answers are still in his word. Everything we need, the encouragement we need to get through what we're going through is still in the word of God. Come on, clap your hands for that word tonight. Praise God. My attitude toward the word. Psalms 119 said that I should stand in awe of that word. I should never allow it to become uninteresting. Somebody said, well, I don't know how to read it. I don't know how to interpret it. Just read it. It will interpret itself. (laughs) Amen. Go find another translation to read alongside your normal. But there's many ways. We don't have any excuse right now. You have at your disposal on your phone right now so many different translations of Scripture that are free that you can read that makes it clear in English language. Amen. Amen. We ought to stand in awe. There's something about going into the Word of God 
Every time I step up to this pulpit, I tremble inside because there's one thing that I don't ever want to do and that's mishandle the word. I don't ever want to be guilty of taking that word and interpreting it the way I want to interpret it. I don't ever want to come here and treat it as if it's just a trip to Starbucks or some other place that I go. When I go into the Word, I want my heart to be reverent. I want my spirit to be alert and realize this is God's breath to my life. This is God breathing into my soul. Amen. Isaiah 66 and 2 said that we should tremble at the Word. Amen. It ought to make us feel weak in our knees when we read about the love of God and the mercies of the Lord and the grace of God and the goodness of the Lord and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. It ought to make us tremble when we stand before it and realize that this is God's thought to me. This is God's breath into my life. Amen. Acts chapter 11 tells me that I should receive the word. Verse number 1. Acts 13, 48 said that we should glorify that word. We should exalt that word above anything else in our life. There's nothing that the word of God can compare to. Fox News, CNN, I don't care what your news feed in. There is no comparison. There's no other book of philosophy. There's no other book of counseling that can even rate. You don't even, it needs to be in a category all by itself. Amen. I have a library full of books, but I will tell you this much. They are nothing. They pale in comparison to the word of the Lord. That's what I go to first. That's what I want to understand first. That's what I want to receive first because it is that word in my life that when I glorify it, it glorifies me. Amen. When I lift it up, it lifts me up. Praise God. 1 Peter chapter 1, 22 said, obey the word. James 1, 22, 23 said, do the word. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. Jeremiah 23, 28 says that we should speak the word faithfully. Acts 17, 11 said that we should search the word Acts 4.29 and 31 said we should speak the word boldly. Acts 8.25 said we should preach the word. Acts 18.11 said we should teach the word. 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says we should handle it aright. We should handle it correctly. And Revelation 1 and 9 tells us that we should be willing to suffer for that word. Amen. I believe the hour is coming when that verse of Scripture, we're going to see the reality of it in our lives. Because the Word of God today has been made a mockery in our culture. And the, the powers that be right now that are pulling the strings in our world despise what that Word declares. And the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more there is going to be a shift away from everything righteous and pure and holy 
And you and I that say we believe this word, we're going to have opportunity to show how much we believe this word. Amen. So we better make sure we hide it in our heart. We better make sure we have it in our spirit because it is that word that one day we are going to suffer for. Amen. Listen to what the Bible says are the benefits when I apply the word. Ephesians 5, 26 says, it sanctifies me. It washes me. It cleans me. We are sanctified by the word. How many times have we come to the house of God and have heard the preaching of the word and we have left feeling like we have just been cleansed through and through. Amen. Washed. All of that negative stuff, all of that junk that was accumulating in our life, all the stuff we brought with us, the Word just washes it away. Amen. And we're clean. We're clean through the Word. Psalms 119.11 said that the Word is restraining. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. There's a certain restraining force in the Word of God that will keep me in the right way. If I will keep the Word, the Word will keep me. Amen. Isaiah chapter 55, 11 tells me that the Word of God is effectual. It is effective. It works. Amen. He said, My Word shall not return Unto me void, without purpose, without accomplishing something. Amen. My word will not return void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. You tell me what else in life do you have access to that has that kind of power to it. That it will not return void. How many of you have had to make any claims on warranty? Any kind of warranty work? You ever had to? What's the first thing that usually happens? They deny. They deny. When you have an insurance claim, the first thing that those adjusters do is deny. And you have to keep going back saying, oh no, it says right here. Amen. They deny. But there's something about the Word of God that is so effective. It is so powerful in its essence and in its work that it cannot be denied. It will accomplish its purpose. Amen. It's like that seed. I remember reading years ago uh, one of the, uh, of the sarcophagus that they discovered in Egypt of one of the, the Pharaoh's When they opened it up, they found inside of that burial casket seed. It had been there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And the scientists were curious if that seed was still of any value. And so they planted the seed. And lo and behold, in a period of time, There was this bud that come bursting out of the ground. 
It doesn't matter how long it's buried. The seed has the power to produce. And if it's just given the right opportunity, it's going to produce. Now, if you put it in a casket... It's not going to do much good, but you put it in the earth, you put it in the soil of your soul, it's going to do something powerful in your life. Amen. That's why it's got to go from more than just the head. It's got to get down in the soul and the spirit, down in the very marrow of your life. Amen. The Word of God provides direction, correction, instruction, and it gives strength for everyday living. What better book? Could you have in your life than the word? We hide that word so we can we don't sin against him, and it's a lamp and a light for giving us direction. First Corinthians chapter ten verse eleven said that it should serve as an example to us that what we read about in old times in history it should serve as an example. Listen to the power of his word. It's not in the grammar. Of its text, but it's in the spirit that dwells in that word. Listen to what Hebrews 4 and 12, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He said, For the word of God is alive and powerful, and it's sharper than the sharpest two edged sword, cutting between the soul and the spirit. Now, folks, I know a lot of good doctors that can cut between sinew and muscle and tendons and, and, and blood vessels. But I don't know one physician that has the scalpel or the skill that can cut between the soul and the spirit and discern the intent and the thought of the heart. But his word can. It can cut between the joint and the marrow. And it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And nobody can hide from it. Amen. How it can change our lives if we simply apply. Thank God for his word tonight. Amen. Thank God for his word. If you don't read it regularly, you need to make that a promise to yourself. I'm going to get back into the word. And you know what's so crazy about our life right now? We have access to it in ways we didn't even realize. I've shared with many people lately. I've got a Bible app called the Olive Tree. And and if you can't read it, It will read itself to you. So there's no excuse. You say, well, I don't have a good education. I don't know how to read some of those words. Hey, all you got to do is push that little arrow at the bottom of the page and you got a man voice or a woman's voice, however you want to put it, but it'll read that word to you. What's the best thing that you can do in your life while you're going down the highway? Fill it full of CNN or Fox News or some No, just push that little button and let that word start speaking into your life. Because when that word enters into my heart, when it enters into my life, it changes the whole dynamics of my life. It makes such a difference in my attitude and my spirit and my outlook. Praise God. Thank God for his word. 
three things that you and I must never do with the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 2 and 4 said to preach it in man's wisdom. I mentioned this earlier. That is one thing that I struggle with that I want to make sure when I stand behind this pulpit and the reason that I don't bring in some ministries or I don't uh, embrace certain things is because I am very careful about how people handle the Word of God. Amen. And, and I know, I know I'm not perfect by any means, but when I step behind this desk, I'm going to answer for what I say and I'm going to give an account for it. And if I come up here and try to preach it in this man's wisdom and show you how smart I am and how sharp I am, I am going to fail the test of what God has called me to do. But I want to preach it in the spirit in which it is given. I want to speak the same faith it speaks. I want to resound the same words that it speaks into my life. I want to speak in God's wisdom, not my own. 2 Corinthians 4 and 2, the second thing that I must never do with the Word of God is ever use it deceitfully. Amen. Don't ever use the Word of God in a deceitful or crafty way. And I will say this, don't ever use the Word of God as a tool to beat somebody down. Amen. God didn't give you the Word for that. If there's going to be any beating down, His Word is going to do it, not you handling His Word or me handling His Word. So I must not use it deceitfully. Use it and veil behind it some ulterior motive. To use certain verses of Scripture just so I can push my agenda. That's what I have to be careful. And number three, and most importantly, Revelation 22, 18 and 19, I must never alter the Word of God. Never alter it. You say, but I don't like it. It hurts me. It pains me. It makes me feel guilty. It makes me feel unclean. I I, I don't like how it affects my thinking. Why? Because it's trying to affect something good in my life. And so I have to be careful that I don't go in there and just mark through the not. Thou shalt not. I don't like that word not. I don't like that that in. I don't like the terminology. You know, it's amazing. If you go to the Smithsonian Institute, there is a part of that uh, institution where they house uh, the presidential uh, artifacts. And one of the presidents of the United States was Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson has his own Bible. It's, you can Google this and look it up. It's called the Jefferson Bible. And Thomas Jefferson... He, he, he kind of believed the word, but he could not embrace the supernatural. He could not embrace the miracle. And so Thomas Jefferson went through and he cut out of the New Testament every reference to miracles. 
every reference to supernatural things. And guess where his Bible ends? At the tomb. Because he could not embrace in his intellectual thinking something sovereign and supernatural. And so he cuts it out. It's like the Old Testament king that the prophet came to with the word. I believe it's in Jeremiah. And he presented him the judgments of the Lord. And and the king read it and he didn't like it. And so he cuts it out and he throws it in the fire. Hey, I've got news for you. You don't have to like it, but you're not going to burn it up because he's going to come back with more words that are going to be more severe than those words. And that's exactly what happened. Amen. Best thing that you and I can do in our life when it rubs us the wrong way is turn around and start heading the right way because it's always going to point us in the right way. If it convicts us, we don't need to feel like that's something bad. That's the love of God saying, hey, child, I, I, I love you enough. I'm not going to let you go to hell. I'm not going to let you die in your sins. You and I as parents would never think twice about slapping the hand of our child or grandchild if they were reaching for something that was going to hurt them. Now that hurts. It makes them cry. And for a moment, they may misunderstand, but you know what they don't know. Amen. And so when they reach for that fire, there's going to be a reprimand. You're not doing that because you hate them. You're not doing that because you're mad at them. You're doing that because you love them. And there is nothing in this book that we have that we call the Bible that is anything less than love. It is God's love letter to humanity and every word, even the words that pain us and the words that convict us, they're all written for our good. Those admonitions are for our well-being so that I will be properly shaped and formed into the man or the woman that God created me to be. Stand with me. I want us to close by going back to that word in Second Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to read it again to you. Amen. That word. That word. He said, moreover, I will endeavor, verse number 15 that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we received from God honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn. And the day star arise in your hearts. Amen. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved 
of the Holy Ghost. Oh God, would you help us tonight to find in our hearts a fresh love and appreciation for your word. That it is that word that guides, it is that word that directs us into the path of life. It is that word that corrects, but it is also that word that lifts. It is the word that comes to give direction and understanding and knowledge and wisdom. And oh, how we need that wisdom today, Lord. How we need that understanding in these times in which we live. God, help it. Help us. Help us to have a greater love and a greater appreciation for your word than we've ever had in all of our life. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And everybody said amen. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'm a better man. You're a better person because of the good word of God. Amen. Thank God for his word. Praise God. I, I challenge you between now and next week, make a promise every day. I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to read his word. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love all of you. Remember to lift up the Pedans and keep them in your prayers. And we'll see you Sunday, God willing. And the Lord doesn't come. And if he does, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Amen.